Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. My name is Miles Dawson, I am your host today, and today we're going to be discussing ecosystems, but particularly the convergence point for where business ecosystems and tech ecosystems meet. And for this, I'm very lucky to be joined by two of the most seasoned analysts at IDC Europe today. We have Margaret Adam and Philip Carter. Hello. Hey, Miles. Hey, Miles. Um, now, you've both been on the podcast multiple times, but uh, for our new listeners, um, I wonder if you could give just a quick overview of your coverage at IDC. Phil, do you want to go first? Sure. Thanks, Miles. Uh, so, hi, everyone. Phil Carter, Chief Analyst for IDC in Europe, and looking forward to another great session with you and Margaret. Fantastic. Margaret? Yeah, hi everybody. I lead what is called a tech ecosystems group in, in IDC, which looks at dynamics between the services, SMB startup and partnering ecosystems. Outstanding. So, Margaret, actually, let's start with you. Um, tell us a bit more about the topic today. What are we discussing? Yeah, so when we talk about ecosystems, essentially what we're talking about is ecosystem business models, right? And, and what we've seen with digital transformation and, and the drive um, for, for new business models is that there's growing recognition that innovation often happens at the at the intersection of industries. Um, so in today's podcast, we're really going to be talking about those ecosystem business models that result in a convergence between industry, in other words, be this automotive, manufacturing, healthcare, education, uh, the list goes on, or technology ecosystems and, and where the innovation happens and what it means in terms of that convergence and the relationships that those companies have within these ecosystem business models. Yeah, Phil, anything to add there? Sure. Um, so just building on what you're saying, Margaret, what we've seen is that the current crisis that Europe as a region is experiencing created by COVID-19 has really highlighted how interconnected and interdependent companies, organizations and supply chains are. So historically, you had these business processes that started and ended within an organization. And now we see the need for these value chains that span across multiple organizations. A good example of, of a company that uh, we've seen uh, requiring this and putting it into, into action is PostNL, the, the Dutch postal organization. Um, which highlighted the importance of real-time data visibility across their different value chains. Um, so they used an API platform to surface uh, this to partners. So imagine if you are a, a logistics partner for PostNL and you need to deliver a series of parcels to multiple locations, some of them shops, in, in the height of the lockdown. Now, you don't know whether those shops are open or closed. And if you go to those locations and you find that half of them are closed, it's, not, it's, a, it's a major waste of resources, time and money. But if you have uh, real-time data at your fingertips explaining which of those shops are open, then you can optimize the route deliveries as a result of that. So that's ecosystem value in action, delivering experiences to the right person, right time, across the right value chain. And we're seeing a lot more industries exploring these type of ecosystem business models based on the power of technology uh, to deliver this type of value. Absolutely. So um, when we say ecosystem business models, um, what do we actually mean? And, and also, where do they come from and how do they come about? 
Thank you, Miles. I'll, I'll take a stab at that. Um, you know, essentially what we're talking about is business models where there is a partnership or partnerships between interdependent organizations, right? And, and these partnerships are established purposefully to create business value by integrating their contributions and targeting a specific gap in the market or a specific opportunity. So what we in fact are talking about are companies adopting an outside-in approach rather than an inside-out approach of doing business. Um, in other words, looking at ways that they can collaborate, co-create, um, and then integrate uh, contributions from multiple organizations, really looking to aggregate capabilities, talent, IP, and through that drive new innovations. Now, this is not a new concept. Um, these kind of ecosystem business models have, have always existed in, in the brick and mortar world. I mean, you only have to think of a food market, for example, as, as an environment which is created to connect different participants, in this case within the food industry, who trade with each other and trade with customers, right? But in the digital world, these kind of ecosystem business models can be built a lot quicker um, with a lot greater speed and a lot more impact. So we've seen them start to emerge, particularly in the B2C space. Um, you only have to think of the likes of Spotify, eBay, Amazon, Airbnb, Uber. All of these are examples of ecosystem business models. And what we're starting to see emerge now is companies in the B2B space looking to try replicate these kind of successes, these kind of digital ecosystem business models. Um, I'll hand over to Phil now to just talk about kind of how we've seen this evolve and how they've come about. Yeah, and I think building on that, Margaret, there is this link, a clear link between the technology providers and the business ecosystems, particularly in that B2B space that, that's evolving. Um, and you can imagine this in the context of three stages uh, in terms of how these relationships have developed over time. So historically, tech vendors would sell a product or service to a, a customer who would uh, adopt that. There might be a partner, a SI partner, that would either implement or outsource uh, that capability. Um, but generally, the perceived ROI from those investments, uh, as well as the user adoption, was very low. And, and tech was um, often underutilized. So as a result of that, those issues associated with that model, we moved into this as-a-service era which allowed a lot more flexibility, so usage-based, consumption-based models, um, and partners were looking to deliver value, accelerate value from those kind of implementations. But we still see CEOs in Europe spending billions, hundreds of billions of euro on digital transformation, technology implementation efforts, but not delivering the necessary ROI. Um, so we see this need to move to this third stage, um, where, which is ecosystem driven, where the technology provider, the partner, the customer are all merged into one group effectively, and their roles might shift according to what they might deliver in terms of the value at, at that specific point, where there is a need to put more skin in the game from all the stakeholders, that there's a focus on shared value um, and that the buyers of technology, the historic buyers of technology can look at adopting the innovation culture from the technology companies, learn how they do it 
and see how they can build out new partnerships off the back of that. So it's much more of a, a co-creation, co-innovation, shared value type of model, uh, bringing together the best of the technology world, but also the business world to scale these capabilities. Yeah, that's. I think that's exactly it. And you know, I think we see customers demanding more and more of their suppliers. And um, there was a there was a great interview I read from Adidas, so they, who was then their VP of digital IT, and 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 he actually made the comment that he said, "I don't want to talk about suppliers or vendors. I want to talk about partnerships." And I, I think that really very succinctly explains this dynamic and fundamentally shifts the dynamic in the relationship between vendors and and the customers right you know what i'd like to talk about it or describe it as shifting from a supplier of technology to more of a customer as partner type relationship absolutely i mean can you give us some good examples uh, to share with the listeners yeah uh, we've done quite a bit of research in the space and um starting to track these very very closely but but one great example is oren o-r-e-n um which is essentially a b2b marketplace for the mining industry um, and this is formed out of a collaboration between IBM and Shell. Now, IBM and Shell have a, a long history together. Um, and what they recognize is they both had customers within the mining sector, within the mining industry. And they both had solutions, IP services, targeting companies in the mining industry. So essentially what they did was they created a cloud marketplace to provide solutions to the sector, right? And, and leveraging things like data integration, AI, IoT, analytics, um, and creating an environment where customers in the mining sector could, could use these tools and, and so on to create insights and services to optimize mining operations um, and to optimize their planning. As part of that, they also extended to a broader ecosystem of solution providers, SIs, consultants, ISVs, who come in and list their applications and their mining-related products and services on that marketplace. Um, so you see this kind of partnership between the two companies and then extending again to this ecosystem affiliated with the mining industry. And I think that's a really good example with two companies forming the basis of that marketplace. Um, and, and that specific alliance. Um, but we're also seeing other examples where there are more stakeholders involved. Um, so if you look at uh, the VW Industrial Cloud, which was set up in 2019 when they formed a partnership with AWS to co-create an industrial cloud to combine data from machines and plants and systems from 122 facilities of the VW group. Now, in April this year, they announced that Siemens were joining that as an industrial integration partner for, for this initiative. And then in July, so just this month, they've opened this up to a whole bunch of manufacturing and technology companies like ABB, Bearing Point, Salonis, uh, Teradata, Navis, a whole bunch of these technology companies, but also manufacturing companies. Now, longer term, they're aiming to create a similar type of marketplace as market described, but for industrial applications. So all participants on that will be able to exchange their applications, their IP to acquire applications, use them irrespective of their links to VW. Um, and the development of the technology for this marketplace is already happening. In that model, you've got VW, Siemens, AWS. In some cases, they're a partner. In some cases, they're a customer. In some cases, they're a provider. It's exactly that role where they're their different uh, capabilities of shifting depending on the different value that they're delivering based on that marketplace. 
Yeah, and I, I think that multi-stakeholder element is, is super interesting. Um, another great example and a completely different tangent um, is a collaboration between the British Heart Foundation, the NHS, which is their national health service in, in the UK, Microsoft and, and New Signature, which is one of Microsoft's partners. And they've created something which they've, they've branded the circuit. Um, and this is a really specific use case and, and, and possibly unique to the UK where defibrillators are scattered across the country. Um, and these typically are in gyms, in offices, um, public transport stations, um, a variety of, of different locations. Um, but emergency sis systems and services don't necessarily have any visibility as to where those defibrillators are. Are. So if you can imagine if you're in a situation where somebody is having a heart attack, you call the emergency services, you dial 999, um, there's a significant impact if you're able to get to a defibrillator quickly and that really can save lives. So they set out in collaboration to connect this ecosystem of what they describe as defibrillator guardians, right? And these are a variety of different types of companies. Um, and the idea being here that you create this platform, you connect them, you have this visibility. And so the emergency and ambulance services now have accurate data to help improve the survival rate by identifying the location of the nearest defibrillator. And interestingly enough, then this also creates a new service opportunity to do preventative maintenance, if you like, on these defibrillators. So you start to see a, a new ecosystem emerging around that. And, and again, you know, a really strong um, business case, if you like, here, which is really saving lives. Yeah, and that lines up with our redefinition of business value uh, that we talk about for the future enterprise, which is not just about financial value, which is still critical. That's that's the bottom. That's the anchor point for for all values. The financial piece in terms of uh, profit, uh, top line, bottom line growth, but also ecosystem value. So in, in, enabling. Uh, value to flow seamlessly across the ecosystem, but then finally social impact value, societal impact value, uh, which I think, you know, in terms of technology saving lives, that's become clear. It, 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 those go hand in hand. And we need to focus on all those three layers of value as we build out this ecosystem driven approach to the way business models are going to develop over time. Absolutely. Now, you guys have painted a fantastic picture here of, of, of the good side of things. But what do you think the obstacles, though, um, and, and the risks associated with these business models could be? Yeah, well, this comes up a lot, Miles, as you can imagine, uh, because it's, it's pretty complicated. Multi-stakeholder engagements like this uh, require a clear view on governance uh, at a process level, at a data level at a structural level. Um, clearly, you need well-defined contracts in place to protect IP because there's a lot of IP flowing across the different parties. And there are obviously questions around privacy. So data privacy, you know, we've got regulations around GDPR. So how does that impact a, a bunch of contracts that are put in place to underpin these new type of, of platform-based business models? when people are concerned about where their data is flowing, how it's being used, and whether it's compliant with GDPR. So those are the, some of the questions uh, that need to be addressed. Margaret, I think you might have a couple of others that you want to add to the equation. Yeah, no, I do. And I think, um, I think there's some lessons to be learned in the B2C space, but also the marketplace space, right? Um, you know, a couple of years ago, um, we saw numerous companies launching cloud marketplaces with the idea that they would launch it and 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 
the companies would come, right? The customers would come and um, everybody would want to list in the marketplace. And I think they quickly learned that it, it's not necessarily the case, right? Um, and so we talk about this idea of overcoming inertia. And, and what we're talking about there is thinking very strategically about how you encourage companies to um, not only use the, the platform and the, the business services that you're offering, um, but also to encourage that ecosystem to join because what you want to get is that that network effect. So overcoming inertia um, is, is a key consideration. The other one is is partnering and in general is hard. Right. So it's, it's hard enough to get your own organization um, moving in, in the same direction, let alone being able to influence other organizations. And what's interesting about these ecosystem business models is that that role of the orchestrator isn't necessarily the technology vendor or necessarily the SI. Um, in many cases, it's actually the customer as partner, if you like. Um, and so that orchestration role requires managing partners, identifying partners, setting those rules in place that, that, that Phil alluded to in terms of governance, in terms of um, defining what the, the commercial and monetization models is. Um, and then the role can be quite fluid depending on the, on the type of engagement. So again, critically important to think about who actually is going to be the orchestrator of this ecosystem business model um, and being sure that they understand what is actually involved as part of that orchestration role. That's fantastic. Thank you, Margaret and Phil. And one last question before we go. Um, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners who are looking into this? Yeah, I think um, one thing that's important is to think about your monetization model fairly early on in the initiative. Um, now, often these are innovation initiatives, so they may not be that may not be crystal clear, right? And those objectives may not be crystal clear. But you do need to think about what that monetization model is going to be quite early on, and it needs to be built around shared value. In other words, there needs to be a vested interest and benefit for those core participants in that ecosystem business model to be successful. Um, also, to, to the point I made earlier um, around that orchestration, if you are a technology vendor, and I'm assuming there's, there's quite a few on listening to this podcast today, it's really important that you leverage your partnering muscle um, in these engagements, because often these ecosystem business models are sitting in your customer group, right? But obviously, most technology vendors have a huge amount of experience in managing strategic alliances, managing technology partnership, and of course, managing channels and ISVs and so on. Um, thinking about how you can bring some of that, that partnering IP into how you manage these ecosystem business models is really important. And finally, I think related to governance and privacy and, and, and data protection is also trust. And trust is not just at a technology layer or a data layer, it's also in terms of the, the business relationship that you have. Um, and from the very early stages, it's really important that you work to establish trust and have mechanisms to ensure that trust remains within that ecosystem. Because without that, I think it's, it's, it's bound to fail. Phil, any last words? Yeah, I mean, that trust story is, is critical in terms of the currency uh, of, of any ecosystem. It, it'll um, succeed or fail based on that. And linked to it, I think you need shared vision at the CEO level for all the stakeholders. Uh, so it needs to come from the most senior level of each of the organizations participating in, in these uh, ecosystem-based business models. And linked to that, 
is um, a clear understanding of, of risk. So what risk would, would, will you as an organization be willing to take on depending on the nature of um, the relationships in, in that business model? It could be a joint venture, it could be a joint go-to-market uh, approach, it could be a, share, a shared value approach. And there's a different level of risk associated with each of those models. So uh, before entering into these type of engagements, uh, having a clear understanding as to how much risk you're willing to take on now and in the future is going to be absolutely critical. Definitely. And um, there was one more thing as well. Um, we want to hear from our listeners, don't we, Margaret? Do you want to tell a little bit about uh, what we're looking to build in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So we have started and we've published a few um, ecosystem business model examples and case studies and, and reports, um, but we're hungry for more. So if you are currently engaging in an ecosystem business model, you have one live, um, you're looking to explore one, we really would love to hear from you. Um, particularly, obviously, if they are active and operating in Europe. So um, we're looking for stories and we'd love to hear from you. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on how you overcome some of these issues in terms of trust, in terms of governance, in terms of, of risk and IP and so on. Um, so we would really love to talk to you and encourage you to, to reach out um, at any time um, and hopefully keep the conversation going. Definitely. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So if you do want to get in touch, uh, you can find us on LinkedIn, on Twitter or on SoundCloud. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you'd like to share any examples with the team, please do get in touch. Um, but I'm afraid that is all the time we have for today. So it's been wonderful having Phil and Margaret along. Thank you very much for um, helping us out with this topic today. Um, and please do subscribe to our podcast as well. You can find us all over the place, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on there, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Acast, Overcast on Spotify, wherever you want to hear your podcast, we're always there. So thank you all very much. Um, I wish you good health and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.